We hear it so often as a familiar Christian phrase that it, um, it can get diluted and lose its impact and power upon any individual life. In fact, if you are like me, there may have been times when you've heard it over and over and over again, and then somewhere along the way, it all of a sudden just came out in bold, huge, black print in, you know, in your mind's eye, and you, you re- reclaimed it and recaptured it. And the phrase is, uh, Jesus as Savior and Lord, or Jesus is Savior and Lord. And um, it is lovely and meet and right to dwell on that thought of his being Savior in our lives. It means he rescued us. And most all of us who have been rescued can tell a story of what that rescue looked like. Rescued from the world, rescued from our own selfish behaviors, rescued from uh, out-of-control addictive behaviors, on and on and on and on. And we celebrate, Jesus saved me. Jesus rescued me. I love that. Um, I could tell you my story again, but I won't today. But he rescued me. And of course, the good news is, once you know Jesus as Savior, he will continue that work of reclamation, of uh, saving you from yet the next new thing that has come along as you more and more give your life over to him and say, the second part, which is what today we can focus upon, and I want you to be Lord of my life. Savior, yes, thank you, but Lord is the rest of the story. And that idea of lordship or kingship says he has the final word and he has the first word in really everything we do as Christians. There's nothing wrong with asking him before you take any step forward in your life, asking him, Lord Jesus, what shall I do? Is this what you want me to do? Is this what I should not do? And seek his discernment. And we have talked through the years, there are all kinds of ways to do that. Uh, His word here, he provides us direction and guidance. We can go to Christian brothers and sisters and say, what do you think? And allow them to be spokespersons for the Lord as you weigh uh, their own prayerful considered opinion. That's two ways of many ways that we can receive direction from the Lord himself. He will simply speak directly to our hearts at times also and simply convict us. So this is this Sunday as we end on a climactic upswell at the end of the year. It doesn't just kind of peter out like this, but uh, the Lord Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords. Let's look at this gospel passage for a moment today, and perhaps we can get that on the screen again too. This is uh, that direct, face-to-face, very close, upfront confrontation with the world, represented by Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, the man who ostensibly has control of this whole situation. And here is this essential and vital dialogue that happens here on the night of Jesus' arrest and shortly before he'll be handed over to be crucified. Pilate brings him inside. Are you the king of the Jews? Pilate says, is, I mean, Jesus asked, well, is that your own idea? I have always sensed that 
the Lord once again is probing the heart of an individual when he asks that. He wants to know, is this, is this a true man searching for truth? Is this a man who really wants to know? Or are you just curious, curiosity-seeking? Is that your own idea, Pontius Pilate? Or did others talk to you about me? Is this your own personal search? Or are we just dealing with this political situation that's going on? And Pilate makes it clear, not, he doesn't want to get too up close to, with Jesus. Am I a Jew? He says in kind of disdain, it was your people, your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Pilate is in a perplexing situation, in a difficult situation. He has a man who hasn't apparently done anything criminal, and yet the Jews are asking him to have him executed. And uh, they cannot do that without Pilate's permission. And as you recall, this story ends very sadly when Pilate washes his hands of the whole affair. But here we have this lovely and important dialogue. Because Jesus does answer Pilate about kingship. My kingdom is not of this world. That's kind of a paradox, isn't it? Because Jesus in his ministry, in the beginning of his ministry, says the kingdom of God has arrived. Or the kingdom of God is near. Repent. Enter in. And here's this wonderful, helpful duality and reminder that we will always be a bit out of step with the world. We won't ever quite get into a perfect groove and perfectly comfortable with the world. If we do as Christians, watch out. You may have gotten a little bit too intimate and familiar with the world. We are resident aliens. Our homeland is not here. Because we belong to a kingdom that does not reside here on earth. And all the efforts through the ages to establish that kingdom on earth has ultimately met with a degree of failure rather than success. Because you just won't find a sin-free zone here on earth. A foretaste of the kingdom? Yes. Participation in the kingdom? Yes. Expectation of what will come in the fullness of the kingdom? Absolutely. A taste of the kingdom now? Yes. But remember also what Jesus says here. My kingdom is not of this world. You won't find a geographical location that says this is the kingdom of Jesus. And so instead what you will hear are stories like this is the kingdom of love. This is the kingdom of righteousness. This is a kingdom that is established in the hearts of God's people without geographical location except the centerpiece of every human being, their heart, and is their heart given to this kingdom. So Jesus will say, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, we would claim it now. That is in the future. My kingdom is from another place. And so Pilate and Jesus complete this dialogue, you are a king then. And Jesus says, you are right. Pilate never gets this, never understands. The only kind of kingdom he knows is a kingdom of power, a kingdom established uh, here on earth. And, uh, but Jesus says, you are right, I am a king. And for this I was born. And for this I came into the world to tell us truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Are you on the side of truth? I hope so. I hope I am. 
everyone interested in finding out the truth? Jesus says, well, then listen to me. We didn't hear the next line in the gospel reading. It's a haunting question that Pilate asks out of his own cynicism of the age. He says to, to Jesus in response to this, what is truth? He's looking him right in the face and he can't see the truth. Good Lord, deliver us from that circumstance in our own lives. So we know the rest of the story. This kingdom is established when Jesus is nailed to a cross. It is a kingdom of love. And it's a kingdom over which Jesus will rule forever. In that Daniel passage, there is the exciting foretelling of what this kingdom will ultimately look like. Daniel, the book of the Old Testament, which is like Revelation the book of the New Testament that speaks about future times. And here in this passage, we get to hear a little bit more about what this king looks like. First of all, he is described here for the first time. That's a long ways into the Bible. And the first time reference is made to one who will be son of man. That's the name, by the way, Jesus used for himself. Whenever he made reference to himself, he never described himself as son of God. But he did talk of himself often as son of man. He's making a direct link back to this seventh chapter and future chapters of Daniel. This is the first place it is mentioned in the Bible, in this passage in Daniel. In my vision at night I looked. This man is having a spiritual, you know, a spiritual event going on. In my vision I looked. And there before me was one like a son of man. Coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days. He approached the, the throne of all the created order. The Lord himself led into his presence. Here is what this son of man will have. He was given authority, glory, sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed that's the kingdom established in jesus that's the kingdom of which we are invited into the fullness of that is the kingdom that is not of this world but you can sure enjoy a foretaste of it in this world that is a kingdom of love as demonstrated most perfectly by Jesus' offering of his life on the cross for our sins. So, brothers and sisters, we do talk about Jesus as Savior and Lord. And sometimes in our lives we major on the Savior, but sometimes in our lives we also need to major on the Lord Word and to ask ourselves in seasons of self-examination and inquiry, is he really Lord of my life? I know he's Lord of their life, my wife's life, my child's life, my mom, my dad's life, my grandparents' life, my best friend's life. I see it. But we do need to ask from time to time and do a checkup. But is he Lord of your life? Is he Lord of mine? And the answer to that question makes all the difference in the world for your life and for mine. Whether we say yes he is or no he is not, 
Whereas sometimes we can, we'll say, well, he's Lord of this part of my life, and he's Lord of this part of my life, but he's not Lord of this part of my life, nor this part. Is, his, is your marriage under his lordship? Is your fatherhood or motherhood or grandparenting under his lordship? Is your financial life under his lordship? Are all your possessions under his lordship? Are all your relationships and your professional life, wherever you work and move and live and have your being during the week, have you put all that under his lordship? It's a great journey. It's important questions. And the more we're able to answer yes, the more we truly know that this king is my king, this Lord is my Lord. I was a little rushed this morning. I don't know if Allie had time to get this poem on this. This is a hymn that's sung, but I just wanted to share this poem. Here's a man who knows Jesus' lordship. And just want to read it with you uh, just to let, let this soak in. Uh, you all know this hymn. And, uh, it was, um, in fact, beautifully, poignantly sung uh, in, uh, uh, at Princess Di's funeral way back in 1997. It, it, it rises up on occasions like that as one of those glorious poems written in the 18th century that has been set to different tunes, different music, that just capture the heart of what we are talking about today. The king of love, my shepherd is, his, whose goodness will never fail you. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever. Where streams of living water flow, my ransomed soul he leadeth. And where the verdant pastures grow, the really lush green pastures grow, with food celestial feedeth. He feeds our souls and spirit. Perverse and foolish, oft I strayed, indeed, Lord. But yet in love he sought me, and on his shoulder gently laid, that precious lamb lifted up on the shoulder of the shepherd, see, on his shoulder gently laid, and home rejoicing brought me. In death's dark veil, I fear no ill, disease, even cancer, old age, accidents. In death's dark veil, I fear no ill. With thee, dear Lord, beside me, thy rod and staff, my comfort still, Thy cross before to guide me. Thou spreadst a table in my sight. Thy unction grace bestoweth. And oh, what transport of delight from thy pure chalice floweth. And so through all the length of days, your goodness fails never. Good shepherd, may I sing thy praise within thy house forever. And that's what we do, Sunday to Sunday, week in and week out. We gather with the people of God who know the Lordship of Christ and sing his praises forever. Amen.